And when couples come into me and they say, I just don't have that feeling of connection anymore, that's music to my ears because mm-hmm. I know that those feelings can come back. Mm-hmm. You have to work at it. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss the ebbs and flows of marriage. And guess what? Marriage gets better over time. Learn how. Stay tuned. I'm going to go ahead and self-promote here. I've co-authored my first book. It's called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. And it's part biography, part self-help, part leadership book, and a part sports story. And it's very inspirational. It tells the story of the UCLA gymnastics head coach, Valerie Condos Field, who has become one of the winningest coaches in NCAA history. Yet, she never did gymnastics. In fact, she's never even played competitive sports in her life. She was a professional ballerina. As you can imagine, she has an amazing story and she is an amazing person. And I'm really proud of the book that we have put together. It's out now wherever books are sold. And again, it is called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. Oh, and if you read it, please leave a review or email to let me know what you think. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again with the brilliant, the lovely, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. It is great to have you back. Um... So Karen, for those tuning in for the first time, is a practicing psychologist in relationships and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And you can get that information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Okay, Karen, so one of my favorite things is to kind of pick apart studies or at least look at them and observe them and see what we can extract. Um, because I think a lot of times we see headlines in the news about, you know, this study came out and said this, um, but I'd like to see if we can get some sort of like call to action, uh, with these or try to make sense of them a little bit more. So, um, I have a new study this one essentially says um, the the conclusion was that long term marriages get happier, and mm-hmm. it, the background is um, psychology researchers at UC Berkeley analyzed videotaped interactions of eighty seven couples who had been married fifteen to thirty five years. They then followed them for thir- over thirteen years. And the conclusion, as I just mentioned with the headline there, contradict an existing theory that positive emotions fade over time in long-term relationships. And what they did find, however, was a U-shaped pattern of happiness in lengthy marriages. So to further explain that, you have that high of getting married, honeymoon phase, and then it dips, and then it gets more uh, happier uh, in, in those later years. So... With that, Karen, researchers found that humor, which includes friendly teasing, jokes, and other silliness, becomes more prevalent and the bickering and criticisms decline. My question for you is, do you think this is because couples have figured out 
uh, how to either live with or settle their conflicts, or are these just conflicts something you grow out of? So as, as an example would be, you don't fight as much about the kids in the later years because the kids are all grown adults now. Well, I suppose it could be that um, you have figured out how to live with the conflicts, but I truly think that it has more to do with the kids being out of the house. What we do know is that uh, during the time that you're raising children, marital satisfaction goes down. Um, That's because you don't have much time for each other. There's stress in how you're raising the children. There's more money pressures. So as joyful as children are, um, and I I guess I have to put that in there, (laughs) Um, they really really do add pressure and stress to a marriage. So once they're out of the house, and again, I want to point out that we're looking at people who have been married 15, so now the children are, you know, at least starting to be grown up, or definitely 35 years, they're definitely out of the house, Um, you no longer have that pressure. So I think that that's when couples are starting to going back to enjoying each other and um, don't have as many things that are causing the stress between them. Not only the children, but the the money that situations that go on between them, the extra pressure of the money, um, not having as much time, etc. Yeah, uh, uh, to pad the um, <laughs> the the positive information towards parents, um, I do know that there's other studies out there that have also concluded that uh, parents achieve higher highs as well as lower lows uh, during their marriage with children as opposed to without. So. Yes, that is true. That is true. Um, But again, you know, I think that for me, because, you know, knowing how to resolve a conflict doesn't just come through osmosis. You have to learn that. And I don't think that I have seen any studies that show that couples are now signing up for courses, um, you know, by the droves of learning how to resolve their conflicts. So I don't think that that really is the factor that has changed. So what changes with time? The fact that the children have moved out of the house. And since we know, as you just said, that the lows are lower, that low is taken out of the equation. The other... um that that's a great point. The other thing that I was going to say is, uh, which I think will be really interesting moving forward, is we also know that people are marrying at an older age and mm-hmm. having children at an older age. Yes, um, which uh, provides greater financial stability, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully a little bit more personal maturity, and so it'll be interesting to see how the shifting time frame for uh, American marriage um, affects some of the stuff that's been traditional for so long. So yes, that'll be interesting. Yes. Uh, okay. So then the next thing is researchers also found that all of the positive ways we can behave towards someone become more evident as the years passed. Uh, most predominantly, aside from the humor, were enthusiasm and validation, uh, which means essentially active listening and uh, to and understanding your partner. Is this just maturity? No, I think it's because they're listening to hitched uh, podcasts <laughs> because we're constantly stressing the need for validation. Right. Um, you know, to your point that couples are getting married or, uh, later 
and um, many people are more educated. I would like to think that one of the things that couples are learning to do is to listen a little bit more to each other, a little more carefully, and to be able to um, indicate to their partner that at least they understand their point of view, which is validation. Um, And so if they're able to do that, um, then that is going to make a really significant difference in the partner being... um, feeling, not being, feeling as if they're being heard, and that's going to um, uh, add to this sense of feeling good in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that and that I do think does come, you know, um, with maturity, at least I would hope so. Yeah. I, you know, I, one of the things that I never see in any of these studies is, uh, is cultural change and cultural shifts that take place. And just where uh, women are today as opposed to two decades ago. And you hear a lot of this with um, like the Me Too movement, for example. And you have this opening up of women to their husbands about their experiences and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And not that that's related directly to what we're talking about, but I do feel that when we've had this kind of movement as a society and culturally that opens up this line of communication for couples, I think it would Mm -hmm. be really interesting to see if that has this ripple effect of couples being able to talk about other things because women felt safe to um, essentially share this really intimate information with their spouse that they um, hadn't previously shared. And now it's like, well, if I was able to share that, I can at least now I can definitely tell them that their socks are laying around the house or bothering me mm-hmm. or whatever. So I'm, I'm also interested in that kind of stuff. My guess is that you're going to start to see some of those studies in about two, three years from now, as a result of the Me Too movement, there are going to be a bunch of grad students who are going to do a spin-off uh, looking at just those kinds of issues that you're raising, Steve. Yeah. So if you're a grad student looking for a topic. <laughs> there you go. I just gave we, you a couple. We aim, we aim to help. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, okay. So then one item I found interesting was that over time, men demonstrated less anger and women mm-hmm. uh, demonstrated less contempt. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess, again, is this because people have um, either less energy because they're aging and whatever, um, or are the actions and behaviors of our spouse so predictable and therefore not as upsetting to us, or do you think it might be something else? I think it's something else. Okay. So my thought is that... Um, People are expressing anger and contempt in response to each other. So if you're in that period of time, which is the negative period of your marriage, where you're not feeling heard, you're not feeling understood, um, then and with the stress that you're feeling and you know, all the pressure that you're feeling in the relationship, what you're going to do is end up also experiencing anger, and in response to the anger that might uh, come out on the part of men, because 
when men are upset about things, a lot of times it comes out as ang- anger. Then a woman will respond with contempt, which is you know her form of um, anger and feeling not heard. So it's a dance that they're doing back and forth in this negative way, but it's the result, really, the demonstration of this underlying negative relationship that they're having. Mm. So now, if the relationship is getting better, then the anger and the contempt is going to get uh, lessened as well. So really, when we talk about the um, relationship getting better, um, to be clear about this, I think we're talking about the stressors are being removed as time has taken them away. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, One thing that the researchers did not find was an increase in affection um, Mm -hmm. and that they said that the affection level essentially stayed the same over time. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think that's encouraging or discouraging considering that affection can be a very learned trait? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. When I, you know, when I saw the questions, I was a little um, surprised by that as well. I think that that's probably a behavior that is habitual. So we could say it's both discouraging and encouraging. (laughs) It's, It's encouraging because at least it stayed solid even through the negative. Um, so it's like, dis- you, you know, I was about to say, so you know what you signed up for. Well, not only that, but, you know, so now things are getting better, but it managed to stay the same. It didn't go away, even though things were rough for a while. So that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't, it didn't like really go south. On the other hand, it's discouraging because you would say, well, now that things are better, wouldn't you think that the affection would have gone up as well? And so my thinking is, well, it didn't because it it's something that we just do habitually. I would like to think that if we became a little bit more mindful, we could, in fact, change it and realize that we could now take the other side of the inverted U and make it even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably wouldn't take an awful lot to um, make that change once you're aware of it. I think it's just really a matter of bringing our awareness to the fact that, um, you know, we have the time now to spend with each other, um, to give each other a little bit more um, interest um, and the showing of dem- the showing and demonstrating of our positive feelings. You know, let's put an effort into that uh, category, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And even letting your spouse know that that's of interest to you is also right. something that would help. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, so often we've, I mean, so if you're interested in, you know, finding and, and boosting your affection, we have articles, we have past podcasts. Um, but one of the easiest things is to let your spouse know that you want, you don't feel um, the affection from them to get the ball rolling. So, um, okay. So I, wait, wait, wait. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah. Um, in, in an attempt to do things in a more positive way, I wouldn't present it as I don't feel the affection I'd like to from you right. because that is going to come across 
especially to a male, as you're doing it wrong, you're not adequate enough, you're not good enough. Instead, I would say it as, I really love when we um, kiss or when we hug, and boy, would I love more of it. So it's on me, and I'm just saying, I'm letting you know how much I like it, and I'd like more. Okay. Okay. No, I'm glad you added that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was being a little flippant about it. Um, knowing that we have the resources, but I'm glad that you tacked that on because that's much, <laughs> that's, and, that's much and more responsible. Steve, I so appreciate your hearing what I had to say and validating <laughs> that it was a good point. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Okay. Um, all right. So then the last question I have for you is, um, one one thing is you could look at this and just say like oh things will eventually get better but of course uh, waiting around for time to pass so you can hit that upside on the back end of the u-shaped curve shouldn't be the conclusion that couples take from this research so what do you think would be a healthy takeaway or some sort of like call to action for couples hearing this information today well, I think, you know, I, I, I don't think that it should be just sit around like, oh, well, you know, we'll just wait for this to pass. That being said, I think that couples have to know that it is very normal for them to go through difficult times mm-hmm. um, and that um, it's not, you know, though it's not pleasant, of course, and you wish it would be different, that it will pass and that you don't act on it um, in lots of different ways where you exit the relationship by um, going to somebody else. You don't exit the relationship by starting divorce proceedings. Um, It would be nice if you go for help that could certainly make things a little bit easier. I know a lot of people feel, well, we don't have the money for it or we don't have the time for it. And so if that is the case, then maybe you do have to say, okay, we just have to sort of take a deep breath here and know that this is a rough period, but we also know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And maybe... At that time, we are going to have to do some repair work. Mm. Um, you know, maybe not, yeah. but maybe we will. But also, I, I guess the main thing is that this is not atypical, and so don't bail. Mm-hmm. Don't go immediately saying, this is a terrible thing, and I don't have to live like this. Um, I don't have to live the rest of my life being unhappy. Um, One of the very typical psychological things that happens to people is they rewrite history. Mm-hmm. And so they're very, very unhappy. And again, I do not in any way want to not hear people's pain uh, and say, oh, just live with it and, you know, suck it up. But I also know that when you are in that place, it is very easy to look back and say, well, you know, the truth of the matter is he or she hasn't been making me happy for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I really haven't been having my needs met um, for a very, very long time. 
um, and I deserve to be happy. And so, you know, why should I have to put up with this? Now, especially if you have children, um, it's, it's really quite devastating uh, to pull the children apart. I remember working, because my practice is uh, confined to adults, I have worked with adult children who tell me they still feel the negative consequences of their parents' divorce as adults. Who do I spend the holiday with? Um, You know, having even their parents in the same room, the tension and things like that. I, I will say that my one caveat is that when parents are abusive to each other, that's when you do get a divorce because um, that is very harmful for children to see their parents being abusive. But if it's a matter of that we're struggling and we're not happy and, um, you know, it, it's just not pleasant, do know that it will get better. And again, um, if you can get help, get the help. The other thing is if you have the feeling that I just don't have those feelings anymore, um, what you're talking about is a sense of disconnection. And when couples come into me and they say, I just don't have that feeling of connection anymore, that's music to my ears because I know that those feelings can come back. Mm-hmm. You have to work at it. There are tools where um, couples have to be um, employing to get those feelings back, but feelings can return. Mm-hmm. So um, that's my takeaway okay. from uh, this last point. And that's also what I have to add okay. <laughs> for, uh, for this. I gave a very long <laughs> answer because I felt it was a very important thing to uh have couples know. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And and it's something that you mention uh, very regularly that couples, it's very, very, very normal for couples to have those downtimes in their relationship. Um, one thing that I will use some of your time here then is uh, in that downshaped you, uh, we know that's normal. And because we know that's normal, and we talked about some of the stressors during the podcast about um, financial um, uh, kids and time management. So knowing that, knowing that you're going to have less, uh, it's, it, let, let me take that back. Knowing that it's common to have less marital satisfaction because of these added stressors. Well, now you can do something about it. Mm-hmm. So you can schedule time to be, uh, with your spouse and to make sure that you have that connection time. Like it doesn't ha- you don't have to have the U shape dip in your relationship. It's just a common thing that happens because most people aren't really super proactive about paying attention to their marriage 24 seven. But now that you're armed with that information, you can do something about it. Okay, let me comment about that because yeah. I hear people in the audience going, Steve, did you not just say that there are periods where you have no time? So how are you going to make time? Okay, so here's my answer. And and by the way, I forgot to include stressors like parents getting sick and mm-hmm. having to, you know, or, or work issues, etc. Yeah. I would say that know that there are going to be challenges in life. And so if there are, you may not be able to do your date nights. You may not be able to spend time, but here's what you can do. Sweetie, the next two weeks, the next month is going to be horrible. I want you to know that 
I don't want you to think I'm forgetting about you. And then, so you can't spend 20 minutes on a date night. You can shoot a text. Right. And just say, I haven't forgotten you. I'm thinking about you. That will take, because you can talk your text now, that will take about 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. And at least it lets the other person know, I'm thinking about you. You still matter to me. Yeah. And doing that can help get through the month of stress. And that's, I guess that's, I'm glad you added that because um, I do understand that I look at things from my lens, right? And, uh, I, and and I do acknowledge that there are certain times that are like crazy crunch times where you do you absolutely do not have any spare time. It wasn't long ago where I was going through a period of that myself, where I would uh, wake up bright and early, and I wouldn't close my laptop at the end of the day until like eleven thirty at night. Like mm-hmm. I just did not have that time. But that's not forever. That didn't last years, and I don't know a single person where that does last years. Um, I will say that I have yet to meet a person where you cannot, where there isn't time to be found. Um, I'm not saying, and I guess the other thing I want to add is I'm not judging how people spend their time. If, if people find it very distressing to sit on the couch at night and watch TV for three hours, that's perfectly fine. Like I have absolutely zero judgment of that. Um, but to say that you don't have time, essentially to me, all I hear is you don't like whatever you're spending your time on is more important than what we're talking about. And with the exception of those like crazy crunch times that you just mentioned that I've also mentioned. Um, and so with that, uh, you, you can find time. It's just a matter of, uh, I guess it's the other thing that, and then I've mentioned this in the past, parents do this all the time. Kids have uh, projects that need to get done. Kids have plays that they have to go to or games that they have to go to or travel events that they have to get at. And somehow, miraculously, the kids always show up there and the kids mm-hmm. always get their stuff. They found that time somehow, right? Like they ran a le- one less errand. They, they, they you know, got a meal out instead of like cooking it. Like they found the time. And I see it regularly where parents find time for kids, but they never find time for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. they'll have plenty of time. You know, they'll have 30 minutes to complain to somebody else about how they don't have time <laughs> when they could use that 30 minutes to actually do something. So that mm-hmm. I guess that's the only point that I was trying to make it, mm-hmm. you know, you have the U shape recognizing it and then just trying to formulate a plan. And again, that means, and this gets into my number one piece of advice for married, married couples or just couples in general is like prioritize your relationship. Cause be, yeah. when you make it a priority, all it's, a, it's amazing how you will find ways to get things done for your relationship when it is your priority, not just the answer you give people when people ask you what's most important to you, which is very common. My family, my wife, my husband, that's what's most important to me. So then, okay, then what are you doing about it? That's yes. Just- well, you know, the th- what I always used to say is if you put your relationship on a back burner too often, there's no relationship to come back to. There you go. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, Karen, I think that's a great place to stop. That's a good one. Um, and so I want to thank everybody for listening. It, uh, and Karen, thank you, as always, for your insight and your time. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Bye.
And I want to remind everyone that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find it, keep it, and make it last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can also find her information at our website, hitchedmag.com, where you can find hundreds of back podcast episodes uh, with Karen, as well as a few other guests, um, and thousands of articles. Uh, We have a free newsletter that you can sign up for. It takes about 30 seconds. Um, And I mentioned Karen's book, and I have a book out that um, is... You know, it's not marriage related, but it's very much a self-help inspirational book. It's called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. So uh, if you're looking for that kind of a read, you can check that out. It's available everywhere books are sold too. Um, and with that, we will wrap it up. So until next time, take care, everybody. Hey!